everyone, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I'm Jonathan, your host, and here at Redbeard Outdoors, we talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors, and how incorporating all of those things into your lives in some form or fashion can definitely help you to live a happier, healthier, and more successful life. And that's my goal. I'm just sharing my journey with you. Awesome conversations like today, where I'm speaking with Samong Yang, and I will definitely... Uh, let you listen in on this conversation because it was it was my pleasure to speak with him. I barely came across his YouTube channel. Uh, it's S Y Outside, uh, and his name is Samong. He's an amazing young man. I say young man. He's younger than me. I'm again almost thirty. <laughs> I keep saying that. I just remember when thirty. I used to feel that thirty was old. Uh, when my uncle turned thirty. I just used to laugh at him and call him old man, but now I'm turning 30 and I feel like I'm just getting started. So anyway, Samong uh, has an awesome YouTube channel where he just delves into his passion for the outdoors. He, I feel like he lives out there. I don't feel like he actually lives at any place other than the outdoors. Uh, he incorporates every single season into his life and we'll get into that here in a minute. I'm excited to share this one with you guys. Um, if you haven't already, Whatever platform you're listening on, follow the podcast and uh, download it. Save it for later if you need to, if you can pause it and then you won't have to worry about having signal or whatever, but download the podcast, leave me a review, uh, send me an email with a screenshot of the review and I'll send you something in the mail because I definitely appreciate your support. Uh, other than that, guys, all the links down below that I'm going to talk about, go check them out if you're in the market for any of these items. Uh, definitely I'm not trying to sell you anything, but I do want to save you money if you're in the market already. So uh, this podcast is brought to you by Absolute Aid. Absolute Aid is an amazing CBD chewable, and they make a cream as well uh, for you to rub in any sore areas, kind of like an icy hot, but better. And uh, my favorite formula for the chewable is, and they're all THC free, and they don't pop up on drug tests. They won't cause you any issues with uh, with any of your employers. I've had people ask me that, uh, they're great clean company and it helps. It's helped me to not have to worry about taking ibuprofen or just dealing with soreness. Some days you have super hard training in the gym or maybe even up on the mountain and you want to take the edge off. And that's what this is for. So go check out absoluteaid.com, Save some money on that. Just go try out their different products. They've got another company that I love that I've been working with if you're looking for a good vitamin, if you're looking for a good pre-workout or a protein powder, uh, my favorite thing lately, and as we're getting into hiking, backpacking season, is the protein bars. My goodness, the level one protein bars are amazing. Their chocolate chip cookie dough is now my number one favorite. <laughs> it's amazing. I know I've said that word a lot, but it really is. Go check out First Form. Again, links down below. I work with First Form Outdoors specifically. And uh, we've just grown that outdoors community, sharing our love and passion for the outdoors with everyone else. As you know, I love sharing it with my family and with you guys. Another company that I work with, if you've got a beard, if you don't have a beard, sorry, you're missing out. If you have a beard, no matter what length, whether it's stubby or long, go check out affectbeard.com. Affectbeard donates 10% of all purchases to charity. Uh, you can save 10% by just using my code down below, redbeard10. And it's awesome, locally sourced, made product, uh, beard oil. And then when I want to put some shape with my beard, I do the beard butter. 
keeps it nice and moisturized, no more itchy. Doesn't matter if you've got a long beard or a short beard, go for it. You should definitely try it out. Okay. Uh, I've got plenty of other amazing companies that I work with. Links are all down below, such as alpenfuel.com. Alpenfuel.com. Alpenfuel makes amazing backcountry granola. My favorite is the white chocolate cranberry uh, that they just barely came out with. But a close second and third would be the chocolate strawberry and the caramel apple. They're great cold. They're great hot. Uh, go check out all their flavors and uh, get ordering because we're coming up on backpacking season if you haven't already started. And uh, you can also get other meals from Heather's Choice and from Peak Refuel. Now, those are great options for other meals outside of granola. If you're looking for a lunch or a dinner uh, that's dehydrated or uh, dry frozen, depending on the meal and the company, but they make great products. They won't tear up your gut in the backcountry. Treat yourself right. Enjoy your hiking and camping and all your excursions uh, to the best possible ability. So those are all the companies that I'd recommend to you guys. Again, not trying to sell you anything. I just want you to save money and get good quality products. Now that I've gone through all that, <laughs> here is Samong Yang. And Samong, again, like I was saying earlier, such an amazing individual. Uh, he's just true salt of the earth, amazing dude that just loves the outdoors. He loves fishing, hunting, hiking, backpacking, camping. He loves his family. He loves sharing it with others. And he's just passionate about it. So I started watching his videos, said, Hey, I want to have a conversation with this guy. So now I get to share it with you guys. Without further ado, here's Samong Yang. All right, everyone, I've got here Samong and I came across Samong's channel, which uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. It's S Y outdoors, right? Uh, that is my Instagram page. Okay. YouTube is just Samong outdoors. Samong Very outdoors. Basic. Perfect. Uh, so Samong outdoors on YouTube is where I came across uh, Samong and I just I really felt uh, called to the stuff that he puts out the content that he puts out there just because he's very down to earth he's not trying to sell you anything he's just sharing you his experience whether that be uh, with a bow rifle a fishing rod just camping backpacking and mainly spending time outdoors and with his family stuff that he's been doing uh, for a good portion of his life and so just kind of giving you guys that intro there as to who Samong is. You may not have heard him or heard of him, but you should definitely go follow him. Uh, but Samong, give us a little bit of a, a nutshell version of who you are and how you came to be this uh, YouTube content creator. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Washington. I still live here today and pretty much still live in the house that I basically grew up in today. And I come from a parents who are refugees. They fled from Laos um, back during the Vietnam War when all that crazy stuff was going. So my parents, they fled to Washington. And then this is basically where they had all their children, basically my brothers and my sisters. This is where they had me. And then uh, the biggest thing is like the background of hunting and fishing goes back further than just me and just my parents because back in Laos it's a it's a very poor country and it's, it's still very poor today and so you know since there's not a lot of technology a lot of their uh, living comes from like just farming and hunting and fishing so back there it's literally a lifestyle it's a necessity if you wanted to survive and so when this abrupt fleeing of the country came about you know it doesn't just leave you hunting and fishing 
a, a lot of us know it, it stays with you at the core. So when they came over here, they brought all of that love and passion for hunting and fishing with them. And so when I was born, I was basically born into a family that was big into hunting and fishing. And so like we were talking before the podcast, like a lot of my, my hunting and fishing videos today, it still reflects what my family has always been doing, which is just going out, whether it's a camping trip, a fishing trip or deer camp or something like that, you know, like my family's at the core of why I do what I do. And the whole YouTube, it never even really sparked an interest in me. If I'm being honest, like I was just hunting and fishing with my family. And then one year, I don't know, I don't know what happened, but I got an iPod touch for Christmas. And this was when like technology and YouTube was like, just slowly like starting to snowball. And I, I, I started recording these videos on my iPod. And after the hunting trip was over, I'd come home and I'm like, dude, this is like the coolest thing in the world. Like I can watch what just happened earlier. And so not really thinking too much of it. I started just posting it on YouTube because a lot of it was just my family, right? Like my family just thought it was cool to be able to see what we were doing out there just like the weekend before or stuff like that. And so that's really the the foundation of where my start in hunting and I guess you could say content creation started from. And then over the years, you know, that passion of, I just want to get more videos. I just want to do better job at filming it so that the stories make sense. And I just want to get better at this. And then over time, like people started subscribing for some reason. And before I know it, like people are commenting like, Hey, we want to see more of this. We love this and so on and so on. And then sometimes you get to a point where somebody asks you to join their podcast. That is so cool, man. I, uh, that's a big thing for me. You know, the fact that you kind of stumbled onto it. And for those of you out there that are listening, that don't know what an iPod touch is. No, I'm kidding. But (laughs) like, it's, it's crazy to think that you started recording things on an iPod touch, which you look at the quality of videos, then it was like a potato, right? Which at the time was like top of the line. And then now you've got these, you know, 4k, uh, cameras and all these things that people are shooting videos with. And, and I don't even know where to start with cameras, right? I'm just into using my iPhone right now, but, uh, but I, I love that you just wanted to capture the moment with your family and you were just sharing it with your family. And again, I think that that, that authenticity, which I know is kind of a buzzword nowadays, it's cool to say, but like genuine, genuineness and authenticity, like the real authenticity, not just complaining about things to be quote unquote authentic, um, is something that people crave. And especially with, uh, the pandemic and everything that was going on where people were locked away from other people. When you find that nugget of authenticity and genuineness online, and you can almost live the moment, like the way that you're sharing your videos, I think that clicks with a lot of people, um, whether it be newbies that are just trying to get into hunting uh, and all the way up to people that have been hunting for years and just enjoy the thrill of the journey, which is what you share. Um, glassing, like some people probably think I'm so dumb for enjoying listening to people talking about glassing animals. Right. Uh, (laughs) but I love it. I really do because I kind of get put in that moment. I generally don't watch a lot of YouTube, but I'll listen. And I love the narration that goes with it. And just like taking me back to those moments of, glassing hillsides and seeing elk, or I'm not huge into fishing like you are, but even the way you describe fishing and how excited you get when a fish gets on the line, like it's just genuine. Like, I don't know how it's, there's not another word to describe it. And so, um, I I think that that, 
that shows your passion for the outdoors definitely shines through. And, um, and your story, man, I, I did, I had no idea that that was the story of your family and that's an extremely rough situation. I'm glad uh, that your family was able to make it here and that you guys have, have obviously you guys, you, you thrive. You, you grew up in a family that, that enjoyed being outdoors because that came from uh, the culture that your parents and their parents were raised in. So I think that's awesome, dude. Um, and you hear a lot about Washington. Uh, I, I hear a lot of bad, you know, elk hunting stories in Washington or um, that it's overcrowded or this, that, or the other. Uh, yeah. You make it seem like it's a dream place to live and to be outdoors. Uh, you know, that, that really, a lot of it is, is true to a certain aspect. I mean, you know, it's, it's, more or less overcrowded compared to a lot of other states you know the seasons aren't the best compared to montana idaho whatever but i think the biggest thing just growing up the biggest thing that i was taught just by my family is that like you really it really just comes down to you taking advantage of what's given to you right like somebody who like i know there's a there's a couple people in montana i know personally you know, they, they, they're kind of into hunting, but they're not really into hunting. You know, like they're just kind of like, yeah, if people are going out, I'll go hunting. And to me, they have like a month and a half long elk season and they'd go out for like two weekends. And I'm like, dude, are you right? kidding me? <laughs> but we have like, like, hey, how about we switch spots? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, we have like two weekends and a full weekday, like full weekdays here to hunt elk. And I'm out there and here we don't even have the elk population you guys have there. And I'm just dying to see one elk and you guys have like elk all over your backyard and you're like ah, i'm not gonna go out this weekend and i'm just like ah man like that's just i don't know man so it goes back to the point it's like you really just got to take advantage of whatever you're given right like i grew up in washington i know that it's not the best for shooting big bucks it's not the best for shooting a lot of elk and stuff like that but you know it, it really is just like there's an opportunity and i'm just gonna do my best to take advantage of it and that's really I, I mean, I hope it shows in the videos because I mean, a lot of it is just really what anybody else in Washington is doing. I'm, I'm hunting over the counter tags. I'm hunting on public land where anybody else can do it. I'm not really doing anything special. If you think about it, it's just that I lug around a camera and I put it on YouTube. Yeah. And that's that. So two, two videos stand out to me um, that I remember from, from watching and scrolling through your stuff. And especially as, as we're talking about elk here, um, one of them being, there was one, I can't remember the year, but you'll probably remember what I'm talking about where you were like glassing and it was a rifle hunt. And I want to say your uncle was there, but you were by yourself at this moment, you glassed up this bull and a bunch of cows and you're like, I don't know if he's legal or not. And then you finally get a glimpse of him. You're like, okay, he's legal. Mm. And you're getting set up. And then you just hear this and you're like, oh, <laughs> but like, like, and, and the guy shoots again and he gets the bull down. And, but I, again, I, this speaks to the, the character, to your character and why um, I love this so much. Cause I feel like a lot of hunters need to get in this mindset of what you're saying, taking advantage of the opportunities that you're provided, but you didn't get upset with that guy that had pulled up. I mean, you understood it was public land. That was a possibility. Um, and you, you were like, good on you. Congratulations. You moved on to your next spot. And uh, you weren't like all cursing him and being upset that, you know, that he had what some people would say stolen it right out from under you. Right. You understand that it's a public uh, public land hunt and it can't happen because that guy has every right to that bull as you do. 
right? Um, exactly. Yeah, and I know exactly what you're talking about. That was actually <laughs> happened just last season. So like what five months ago and something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, I mean, it just goes back to the point because I mean, like I said, I grew up hunting public land. You know, I, I run into hunters all the time. And at the end of the day, like as much as people want to complain about overcrowding and like other people being in their spots and whatnot, I think that what a lot of people tend to forget is everybody out there is more or less out there for the same reason, right? Like they're no different than I am. They're just out there sometimes with family, just like I am. They're out there just trying to fill the tag, fill the freezer, just like I am, you know? And so when somebody shoots a bull in front of me like that, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's easy to get mad and stuff like that. But you know, it's, it's not really like he did anything wrong, you know, because in those situations, it's like, how do you really gauge what's wrong and what's right? You know, it's just, that's what happened. And you just got to move on from it. Yeah. And I even think that you, I think I remember you commenting like, wow, that was a really good shot because I was within 300 something yards and that over there, I glassed up the truck or you ranged the truck and you were like, it's like a hundred yard shot. You, and you, so you even like congratulated the the shot. Like it just, again, going back to that genuine, like you could tell that you weren't faking it. Like you were genuinely like, okay, awesome. Good success for you. And um, you know, a, a guy that I'm, I'm buddies with Dan Staten uh, over at Elk Shape, he, and he's out of Washington too. Um, he, he says the same thing. Your success won't get in the way of my success. Right. And I, I kind of saw that coming out in you as well. You were like, awesome job. I'm moving on to the next spot. And, uh, and then there was, there was another one that stood out to me as well when you were hunting with, I want to say it was either your cousin or a friend, but you both got archery bulls in the same day. Oh, muzzleloader bulls. That's yep. what it was. Muzzle. Muzzle. Okay. Yeah, that was also just last season. Last season was one heck of a roller coaster. <laughs> right. <laughs> but to think to think that, oh, I remember. Yeah, because I remember thinking, well, again, karma, right? Whatever people want to believe out there about it. Um, you know, what you put out in the universe comes back to you. Right. The fact that you didn't get so upset at that one guy turned around and you had this amazing success, not just one, but two bulls down in the same day with, with your buddy. And I can't remember if it was a family member or a friend, but that, the yeah, fact that you were able friend. to, yeah, to share that success, you know, and again, you could have been still extremely bitter about that first hunter and that first experience. Yet you weren't, you moved on and you ended up having, I want to say it was even bigger bull. Oh yeah. Way yeah, bigger but, bull because yeah. <laughs> there you go. The so two bulls like, that we shot, like when we came, when they were, when we saw them, like there was no hesitations that they were legal. The one that mm-hmm. the other hunter shot, like, I was like, mm, I don't know if he's legal or is he not legal? Right. And it turns out he was, but he definitely wasn't as big. Yeah. Yeah. So a- again, and, and I'm a firm believer of that. Just, you know, little things like that can magnify and make a big difference, you know, and, and one golden nugget that I want to point out that you've said, uh, you, you said repeatedly just in this short time that we've been chatting here is that you need to take advantage of the opportunities that you're provided. Right. Yep. And the fact that your family taught you that your family has every reason to be bitter and upset. 100%. If anyone has a reason to be upset about the cards that they were dealt, your family history speaks to that. Yet your parents had the foresight to teach you this amazing opportunity, any opportunity you have to go with it. And it's obviously been ingrained in you because you don't have to think about that. It's just a natural part of who you are and your reaction. 
And I, I absolutely love that. I feel like not even just hunters, but anyone in general needs to, to understand that that's such a key mindset to have that everyone has opportunities. You don't have the same opportunities as someone else, right? Just like what we were talking about Washington versus Montana, but you don't sit on your butt and say, man, it sucks. I only have a week and a half to go hunt elk. You're like, I'm going to go muzzleloader, rifle, archery. I'm going to hit them all, you know? And, uh, and, and so again, that's just such a golden nugget right there of mindset that I, I just love. And, and you can tell that you are, uh, you're definitely, you live that lifestyle. You take advantage of everything that you can. So, yeah, I, oh, go ahead. I mean, a lot of it is um, like my family, like it's always, we're always big on hunting and fishing. So when you have all these hunting and fishing trips planned, like you always have something to do. Right. And so there's always a season for something. And over the years, I've learned that if you don't take advantage of something, having to wait one full year for that is excruciating. And so oh, yeah. it's really taught me to like, if there's a season, whether it's like turkey, elk, whatever, you need to do it now because you're going to not have fun waiting another whole year for it. Exactly. Exactly. And that, that's just awesome. It seems like you are definitely, <laughs> you're in the outdoors a lot more than most people. Um, I, I'd say to, to say the least. Um, and it doesn't seem like you are more passionate about one thing versus the other. Like you get just as excited over a white fish as you do a turkey drumming, as you do an elk bugling, like you just, that passion, it's just, it's awesome to see, you know, and, and uh, what, what is it about being outside for you? Uh, you've explained, obviously, that it, that's how you were raised. Your family is big into it, but what is it that has kept you going back to the outdoors as much as you do? Uh, literally every season, uh, mm -hmm. cold, warm whatever you're you're out there so what what is it for you you know that that is a great question and i think a lot of people think that and, and rightfully so they think that just because you're raised in a family it just kind of sticks with you and and i agree to a certain extent i i can say that i'm an example of that but i think what people fail to see is there's also those people who are raised into it and then eventually just got out of it like they're just no longer interested in hunting and fishing but for me I, the biggest thing that draws me back is, is really my family. Uh, like, because there's during hunting season, right? Like we have this deer camp, we go mule deer hunting all the time. It's like our annual thing. Every, the two weekends that is open here in Washington, we're going up there. At least when I say we, it's the people who are truly dedicated to hunting. If I say that I don't want to go, I'm missing out on usually some pretty epic deer camps because usually when we go up there, there's like, 10 15 sometimes some years 20 people up there and so usually when you have a lot of people like that your chances of success are way higher and the best part is that when you have so many people you have like 20 different hunts out there everybody comes back and ha they have all these crazy stories and i don't i just feel like whenever i'm missing out on it i just i just kick myself you know i, I it's like i can't forgive myself that i wasn't there to experience this with all of my family members because you know now that you know, I'm getting older and my uncles and my, my dad's getting older. I, maybe it just comes with maturity. It's like the, the thought of eventually that they're no longer going to be here. Like it's every year that passes by, it hits harder, you know, because I've, I'm at the age, I'm only 24, but my uncles, they're, they're getting up there in age. And so, you know, every single year, you know, I can see physically see the deterioration of how far they can hike, what they're able to pack out physically. And, you know, it's like, you just never know when 
it might be their last season up there. Right. And so it's like, to me, I, I don't ever want to be put in a situation where I regret not just going up there one more time, being able to spend this with basically my family. So it's like, so people, they, they think hunting is first, but for me, family is truly first, right? Like I kind of just do what my family does. And, and it's not just for the sake of what they're doing, but I, I actually do enjoy it. I think the camaraderie is huge for me and hunting and fishing, like a lot of people, it just brings this, this realm of sincerity when you're out there, you know, you're waking up pitch black, you hike up to the mountaintop, everything's just dead quiet, see the sun come out and there's like animals crawling all over the hillsides, right? Like, I think just listening to that, a lot of hunters can relate to exactly what I'm trying to describe there. But it's like those feelings, it's like, it just takes you out of all the stresses of being at home and stuff like that, whether it's school, work or anything. It's like, I really do do enjoy that peace of mind when I'm out there. Yeah, no, definitely. You, you're definitely one of those people. And, and, uh, you know, it's something that has brought to my attention more recently. Um, but that enjoys the journey rather than the result. And again, I think that's a big thing, whether it be hunting, fitness, nutrition, family, like any of the things that I talk about on a consistent basis, it's not about where you're going. It's what it's the journey. It's, you know, cause if you're just so focused on the destination, there's so many things that are out of your control, just going back to hunting or fishing, there's going to be times where you hit a spot that's just completely dead. And you thought, man, this is the hottest spot. You know, it's going to, it's going to be buck wild in here and awesome. And then you get there and there's either no animals or no fish. But even then you seem to have such an amazing experience because you're not there for that. Like that's part of it, but you're there to enjoy like what you were saying, your family, and you don't want to miss a moment like that. I, I do want to know who your camp chef is because I need to hire him because that food looks freaking amazing. <laughs> like I could almost smell it through the camera there, but <laughs> um, so the, that deer camp, what was it that you guys made that one time that just like, it was like rice noodles and I don't know, something oh, spicy and a bunch pho, of veggies. Yeah. yeah. It's a Vietnamese dish. It's called pho, P-H-O. Yeah. And yeah, I, honestly, when it comes to camp, we don't really have a de designated uh, chef. Everybody just kind of pitches into whatever well, they have. I just need to hire all of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. Bring everyone out here to Utah. Um, yeah. But that, that's cool, man. I, you know, again, I just, it's such a big thing for me to, to be able to, to incorporate the family into this. Now, I don't know how much you're into fitness. Um, obviously you can hike a long ways, which is a big deal. Uh, but is that part of your life? Do you train in the off season? I guess you don't really have an off season cause you're always outside, but is there anything that you do or do you just constantly hike? Uh, do you have a workout regime? I, so speaking of like elk shape, I'm definitely not like Dan, right? Like I'm not working out in the gym I don't 24 know many people that it would be like Dan <laughs> yeah, true I guess that's really true but no I I actually don't like have a workout a lot of it is like the the saying goes right it's easier to stay in shape than get in shape so my motto is just make sure that I'm always active I don't care if it's winter or if it's stuff like that and and the biggest thing is like sometimes fishing and can be pretty physically demanding. So there's one exercise hunting. It's obviously always physically demanding. I guess it depends where you live, but where I am, it is. But when I'm at home, let's just say it's just a day home. I, I will just resort to simple um, workouts, right? Like burpees, yeah. sit-ups, push-ups, stuff like that to just make your muscles not lose muscle. But in terms of like hardcore, like 
lift weights and stuff like that. I don't, well, one, I don't have the equipment to do that. And then the past two years with COVID and stuff like that, it was hard to go to a gym. When I was in college, like I was hitting the gyms because I, you know, there's a open gym, free gym. And then sometimes you are required to take gym classes. So there was one thing, but then, like I said, you get those gains, but then you don't really lose it because you're always maintaining being in shape. So it's like, for me, it's like, I, I don't know. I just never really thought of really exercising because I've never had a problem with being out of shape. No, that makes sense. And well, I mean, you know, people think training, you have to go to a gym, right? Like you don't have to be a gym rat necessarily. You're like, you incorporate another, it's a little bit more time consuming. I feel like the way that you quote unquote train, right? Because you do spend so much time outdoors, but that's kind of your career at the same time. Like you've, you've created a way to make that your lifestyle. And so you, you're just a prime example of you don't have to go to the gym. You don't have to go squat 500 pounds and do all these deadlifts and everything like that to be able to be fit for the mountains, right. Or fit to go fishing, which again, people underestimate that. I haven't quite had a, uh, a, a chance to catch a fish big enough to have me fight it for, you know, 30 <laughs> minutes or so, but yeah. like some of those, even just the sturgeon that you guys are, are pulling up, uh, it, you could tell, like your, your brother, that's a, I want to say it was your brother. That's a Marine, right? Oh yeah. He's my cousin. Yep. Oh, cousin. Okay. So your yep. cousin that, that was a Marine was fighting a sturgeon. He's, he looked pretty, he looked pretty fit. Like he looked yeah. like very muscular and, and, and he was over there fighting this fish for, I don't know, you obviously cut the, the video up a little bit, but it looked like at least half an hour or more. And, yeah. uh, that takes fitness, right? That, that takes a level of strength and endurance that, most people don't have, um, hiking, you know, backpacking in, uh, ha even if you do have a base camp, you're still, you're personally carrying around a bunch of camera gear, glass, uh, rifle, or, you know, a bow or whatever it is that you're carrying to hunt with. Um, and then you're packing the meat out. Right. And, and you, you do that, uh, to a level that a lot of people can't. So I agree with you hundred percent that it's, you've made it a lifestyle for yourself in your own way. You don't have to have that the weightlifting equipment to be able to go out there and do you carry a pack and you yeah. fight fish. Like that's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like people, you can chuckle at that, but that, that takes, again, that takes a level of endurance and, and mindset, um, that a lot of people don't have. So that's, that's awesome. Um, so tell me a little bit more as far as, uh, I mean, hunting camps or fishing camps, do you, are you kind of the one that's starting to lead these things up and you kind of plan things and invite people or is it kind of a set thing every year for your family? It's it's always, you know, the the way with my family is everything's always so informal. You know, like it's never like a written thing, right? It's just over the years, like everybody just knows at the back of their head when, when it's deer season, this is where everybody's going to be. So whether you want to be there or not, that's up to you. But you know where the rest of the crew is. So it's like, it's just like those things, right? Like, uh, a lot of my family, they're they're working, so they only have weekends off. They're not lucky like me where I get to do this full time, so I could be out there whenever. But I guess it goes back to the point. It's like, yeah, I, I can have all this time and I can choose wherever to go. But it's like those two weekends, which is like the second, third weekend of October. It's like I just tell people, like all my friends, like I made a lot of new friends over doing YouTube and meeting new people. And I love that stuff. But the one thing I always tell to people is like, you can try to plan hunts with me any other time be besides those two weekends because I won't make it and so it's like and it's not necessarily just for my family right I, 
I just honestly never really thought of inviting people, but uh, it's just like, this is where it's at. Everybody just kind of over the years knows that deer camp is a thing. And now we're kind of transitioning more into like an elk camp for late season because, you know, like we said earlier, elk hunting isn't the greatest here. So a lot of our years back then, like it was always just testing new spots, right? We will go here one year, absolutely see nothing for the entire season. Come back, be like, all right, back to the drawing board, find a new elk hunting spot. And so we've been doing that for uh, all of these years. And finally, we finally found a spot where it's, it's definitely not very good, but it's definitely better than what we've uh, seen in the past. So that's kind of where we're slowly establishing this elk camp, but it's definitely nowhere as near as prominent as our deer camp because deer camp everybody loves deer camp right. elk camp not everybody goes there <laughs> a little bit colder and less success right yeah yeah no i hear you on that one um yeah you know being here in utah uh i'm just getting into archery elk hunting uh, last year was my official first year with a tag the year before that i went with a buddy of mine and um they're pretty pressured uh if you don't know where to go here in utah and we don't have the biggest uh population not anything near like colorado or montana like in montana you were mentioning uh some people that you know uh, i've got a buddy that just moved up there last year and he was sending me pictures just two days ago of elk that still well maybe it was more like a week ago but bulls in his backyard that still had their antlers i was like what are they doing they need to start growing next year's antlers like <laughs> but like this guy this guy literally has bulls bigger than I've ever seen in person, just in his backyard, 20 yards off his deck. And I'm like, Oh man, like what it would be like to have that right. Uh, to wake up to that every day. But, um, you know, as, as far as, uh, as far as deer camp goes, that, that sounds like an awesome experience. And I, you know, I don't think that you're trying to exclude anyone. I just think that that's a very almost sacred, uh, thing, you know, for you and your family, it's very close knit, uh, and just everyone enjoys spending that time. It's time. It's a, it's, it's kind of like a family reunion, I imagine. Yeah, in a way it is. And honestly, nowadays, uh, it, our, our deer camp is actually declining, you know, way back then we would have so many cars or trucks. We don't even know where to park our trucks, right? It's like <laughs> people are going to have to park a little bit further down the road. They're going to have to hike over to our, well, it's not really hike, but more like walk over yeah. to our campfire and stuff like that. But now over the years, it's like, we can definitely see you know, just people. And a lot of it just has to do with growing up, right? Like back then when it was just our uncles and our parents, and then it has all my cousins when we're still living under our parents, like it was more easy for everybody to connect. But now that everybody's, you know, people are getting married and their people are finding new jobs, they're moving, you know, naturally it's just the deer camp declines in terms of population but i think the point is it's like the the i feel like the core of the family is always there you know it's it's definitely something that you never feel is missing whenever you're at deer camp and you know at the same time i it, it really is a sacred spot and like i think you put it best it's like it's not really like excluding anybody it's just that that's just kind of what the family has done and it's just kind of like a tradition i'm gonna take a brief intermission here and interrupt this program with an invite a special invite to you go join me over at redbeard's fit crew i'm expanding uh, working on other ways to have a more uh, private group uh, so that we can all share our passions and love for the outdoors fitness family any adventures that you have going on that's on facebook if you don't have facebook again shoot me an email 
at redbeardoutdoors1 at gmail.com. Go check me out on Instagram, red.beard.outdoors as well. You can shoot me a message over there. I'd love to have you as part of the community, uh, getting around people that are like-minded, that enjoy the outdoors and fitness as much as you. So again, Redbeard's Fit Crew, and i uh, love to see you over there. Back to the regularly scheduled program. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And again, I mean, you could just tell it's just a, it's, it's a, it's super important for you and your family. It's kind of like, um, you know, my family, we go out once, once a year out to North Carolina and there's a, a lake house that my granddaddy uh, helped build with one of his cousins. Um, and so we, we get a week out there. He gets like access to the, it's kind of a private lake. Um, lots of bass fishing, largemouth bass, uh, crappie is funny. Cause I, I've always said, uh, crappy, but I guess it's crappie is the, is the <laughs> technical term for it, but a lot of crappie and, and bluegill, um, alligator gars. Uh, that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, catching one of those with a cane pole. That's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but anyway, we, we go out and we have a blast, uh, just spending all day on the water and everything. So I, I can kind of picture what you're saying, um, where it's just people come in from everywhere and not everyone can always make it. Um, but it just feels like home, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, and, and again, getting to spend that time outdoors. Um, now I want to talk a little bit about turkey hunting because that's what we're coming up on here. Yep. Uh, you have described it again in, I've never been able to hear people like I've heard people get excited about gobbles, kind of like people get excited about bugles. Um, but I feel like that drumming almost gets you more excited than hearing a gobble. Um, and yeah. the way you've described it, I've never actually heard that from a turkey. Um, I've, I've filled a couple of turkey tags, but most of them have been hen tags. Um, and I've never gotten a turkey that's other than gobbling at me. I've never heard it do that the way you describe it. I'm going to let you say it. Because the way you put it in the video, like I can't even, I tr I've tried to explain it to my kids and I can't, but what's the, you describe the sound that a turkey makes when he's poofing up. Yeah. So I like, as you said, like gobble is the first thing people think about when they think of turkey, but the more you learn about these animals, you learn that the most common sounds or the most like known sounds aren't always the most exciting sounds. And it's not anything to take anything away from a gobble or a bugle, but turkeys also do this thing called drumming and spitting this is what you're referring to so drumming it's i guess it's like it's so hard to describe but drumming is just the best way to describe it i i, I guess people when they're trying to describe it i guess drumming makes sense but drumming it's it's a very low volume it's almost like a bass volume where it's just like a it's a it's a thud it's more of a thud than a drumming i would describe so it's it's really just imagine like somebody's just stomping on the ground but imagine a turkey's doing it. So it's it's more subtle. It's just not as much volume. But a spit is pretty accurate. It just sounds like somebody is just spitting like how they would normally spit. So how it usually happens when a turkey is doing his thing, trying to show off to a, his girlfriend. Is, is it your, your Ava, right? Ava, that's her <laughs> name. That's my Dequiz name. Yeah, so when they're when they see her and they, they get all lovesick, uh, the, the order that goes in is they, they spit first, so they make that spitting sound. Just imagine somebody's spitting, and they follow by that thud or that drum. So it's like a like something like that, right? And the, the reason why I get more excited about that than a gobble is because whenever you hear that, you know they're close, okay? You can hear gobbles 
off on the other side of the mountain. But it's like you're so far away, you don't really get excited because you're like, man, he's still so far off. I still have a lot of work ahead of me. But the moment you hear that drumming and that spitting, it's like, oh, crap, like he's he's right there and this is about to go down. Right. So in terms of elk hunting, you know, it, a gobble is like a bugle. Right. You can hear a bugle. You can hear a gobble. They could be close. It could be far. But when the elk gets close and you can hear him glunking or sometimes you can hear him huffing and puffing or you can hear him raking a tree, you know, he's close. And so when they when they get close like that, naturally, you just get more excited because they're just so close to you, because let's be honest, there's not much things better than being super close to something you're chasing. Man, it's it's definitely something that's almost like out of this world, if you will. You know, and so the reason why I get so excited with turkeys drumming and spinning is because a lot of times when you hear that, you, they're usually in range for a shotgun. So, you know, they just got to show themselves and you get it burned out. Yeah, exactly. And it, you you described it perfectly because uh, I, I still have yet to hear the glunking in person. Um, I've heard that on videos, uh, but it's harder to pick up that turkey, um, the spitting and drumming. But the way you describe it, I'm like, OK, like that makes sense to me. And you're right. Like the gobble is exciting just like a bugle is exciting. Um, you know, I, I got excited this year cause, uh, we got into a, a, a bugle fest where there were four bulls going at it. Um, we didn't end up filling a tag on that one, but, uh, the one bull was probably, and I couldn't see him through the trees, but he was probably less than 200 yards away from me. And I felt it in my chest, like just that deep raspy bugle. And it was, it was awesome. So, um, I can't wait. Hopefully this year with turkeys, I'll, I'll get to hear that, the spitting and drumming. Uh, but it's just, it's cool. Cause you're not a huge bird hunter, right? You're mainly, I almost lump turkeys into big game because they stay mainly on the ground. They can fly. I've had that happen too many times. And uh, sometimes I forget that they can fly and I draw back with my bow and they're like, you know, the worst sound you can ever hear <laughs> when you're turkey hunting. Um, but uh, I mean, what, do you you're not a big a bird hunter from what i understand right so i yeah in terms of like if you look at the overall aspect yeah i'm not that big of bird hunting but i i have and do bird hunt and it's mainly just grouse hunting um pheasant hunting like waterfowl and stuff like that i don't really do it because one my my parents or my dad and my uncles they were never into it and second those the, those things are really hard without a dog like if you want to sure. go flush a you want to go flush a pheasant by yourself man you get beat so fast i gave up <laughs> in like 30 30 minutes i'm like i'm not doing this anymore right but when you talk about turkeys it's a little bit different you having a dog there is going to ruin your chances of right. actually shooting a bird so you don't really rely on a dog and then uh the the one bird i guess if you take turkey and put it as big game the one bird that i do hunt and still do is just grouse um, that, right. In fact, that's actually what I started out with, you know, um, when my dad, when I was like four or five, this was like the first thing he took me on was just the grouse hunt. And this is essentially what got me hooked. I mean, I started out hating it because a four year old hiking around in the mountains, like that's not very fun, you looking know, for then, a dull gray bird. Right? <laughs> I, didn't even, I, I didn't even know what we were looking for. I was just crying. I remember just <laughs> crying the whole way up the mountain. And my dad was always just trying to calm me down. And eventually we got to a spot where he called his grouse tree. Like we get up there and sure enough, there's a whole bunch of grouse stacked up in the tree. He's like, watch this. So he shoots, he shoots three because back then it was three. And then, well, he shoots three and then the rest of them just fly off. And then yeah. he's like, all right, I need you to go fetch these birds for me. And I, I, I was like, 
I was like, dude, this is so fun. So he he sends me off. And I'm only running like 20 yards, right? And I'm over there. I find the animal and I, I'm so scared to pick it up. And my dad, you know, he he eases my me into it. And it's like when you actually touch an animal like that, like it, it kind of instilled that passion or that hunting is like, oh, this is really cool. But grouse hunting, it's it's probably why I still do it today, is because that's really where I got my footing into hunting. But the thing with nowadays is because I explore so much new hunting opportunities like archery, like my dad, he's a rifle hunter, right? He doesn't do archery. So back then, September was just grouse hunting every weekend, grouse hunting. And then October, that's obviously deer season. But now it's like, now that I can do my own things, you know, I, sometimes I play around with archery. So it's like, that takes up my time in September. And now that you also talk about like bear hunts and stuff like that, it also takes time up in September. And so, you know, it's just like, do I hunt this or do I go hunt that, you know? Right. And generally you can find uh, grouse in the elk woods anyway. They're pretty much yeah. everywhere. They scared the crap out of me this year. Um, Cause I'd seen one or two, but I was coming down and it was pretty much dark. And I would actually just gotten through a, a bunch of bedding areas and I was walking out and I was kind of ticked because I, you know, I was obviously in them, but they were being so quiet. And uh, anyway, so I, I'm walking out and then I just hear, I mean, it was like a, a loud, like clap of thunder. I and mean, it was like 10 growls that just sounded off and just flew right in front of me. And I was like, Holy crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you. I'm sure you have, but they, uh, they scared the crap out of me, man. And, uh, well, but I'll I, be I haven't taken in, in your, def- in your defense, 10 grouse in front of you. That's, that's a whole army of grouse. One grouse scares the crap out of me. I can't imagine like five or 10. <laughs> Right. And I'm already on edge because because uh, I'm trying to remember um, there's a bunch of coyotes or something that were in this area. Anyway, I'm already kind of on edge by myself in the dark. I'm hunt- I'm walking out in the dark and then I just hear that loud clap of just, you know, I see all the birds fly. I'm like, stupid birds. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I just wanted to shoot one with a bow, but I couldn't. It was a little too dark. But anyway, um, you make them like and that's the other thing, too, man. Uh, you could tell you've got a passion for food. And like knowing where your food comes from, because you don't waste a morsel, you know, and that again, just going back to something else that when I, when I find whether it be other podcasts or uh, YouTube channels that I like to follow, um, it's mainly because of that. Just again, you're, you're very passionate, but you also respect the game and and the fish. And, uh, and so like everything you always have like these super simple, but again makes it sound delicious recipes um and you never you never waste a bit at least from what i've seen and i'm sure you don't um but uh what what's your favorite big game meat and then your i want to say your you said your favorite fish is white fish huh yeah i think when it comes to fish it's just a seasonal thing man mm-hmm. i think you develop a a tongue for a certain fish but yeah white fish is up there it's, i had it for the first time this year definitely one of my favorites uh I'd, I'd pick it over salmon, honestly. A lot of people wouldn't agree yeah. with that, but I would, you know, and, and crappie, man, they're, I'm sure you had crappie. Yeah. One of the finest eating fish there is. Um, and then you can get there's past also, all the little bones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not, dude, white fish is worse. If you think crappie is bad, man, white fish is next level when it comes to bones, oh, but man. it's so good. Like I just kind of neglect the bones, but yeah, whitefish, crappie, walleye, and burbot, those are like my top four fish. And honestly, when it comes to fish, I don't care what fish it is, just a simple fish fry, man. Like you, you, you can't 
I, I don't see how anybody beats a simple fish fry. But when it comes to big game, like this is kind of where it really draws like, okay, so fish, people can categorize it as fish. Fish tastes like fish. I can Well, I was gonna that. say just real quick, your uh what was the the tacos you made with the the though that looks a little bit better than a fish fry. <laughs> okay, true. I, I, I can agree <laughs> with you there. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, a lot of it just has to do with what I'm feeling at that moment, right? Like, like I said, some, some, depending on the season, I, I just want to eat a certain fish. Same with the big game, right? My favorite big game meat is probably black bear. Like it, it like I haven't really had too much experience eating uh, a spring bear, but the one thing I do know is fall bear when they're just grubbing on huckleberries and just fruits, they are absolutely delicious because it's kind of weird to say this but the saying that they taste kind of like what they eat is so true and i notice it with bears because you shoot them in the fall and you render down that fat that fat actually retains a hint of huckleberries and so you have so what i do with my bear is if i'm lucky enough to shoot one it's i'll render down the fat just have a lot of fat as much as that bear will give me and then when it comes to the black bear meat the one thing you got to be concerned about with bear meat versus like elk or deer is you got to fully cook bear meat because they could carry like trichinosis and stuff like that. But I, I think black bear meat, the reason why it's so good is it's the texture is different than deer and elk. It's a little darker and it just goes back to the natural flavor of it. I don't think people realize how much natural flavors affect how good meat tastes because you always hear about people complaining about mule deer tastes too sage brushy or antelope tastes too sage brushy but have you ever heard yeah people i got my first my first pronghorn about was, huckleberries? yeah my first pronghorn was delicious i don't know what people are talking about but <laughs> exactly, that we had but, that this year it was good but it's like it goes back to the point it's like i think people think that you can mask the natural flavor or the natural taste of meat but i i've learned to just appreciate that that is just what it tastes like and so you just got to learn how to eat with it right like like my buddy steve he's always like people complain about it being too gamey but he's like i think the best way to describe it is it's just flavor right they just have different flavors so black bear is my favorite one and honestly black bear to me is a ground meat and i think sausage is the best and uh, bratwurst is my favorite. I, I don't think how you can beat black bear bratwurst. So I've never had black bear. I'm looking at, um, I was hoping my buddy would get a bear this year. Uh, it didn't end up happening. Well, I guess it's last year. Um, we chased the cinnamon bear literally all day. He had uh, a guy that had dogs and this bear ran all day. Like they even had two more people, bring their dogs to replace the other dogs because the dogs were worn out and this bear was just trudging along. I mean, it was a good size cinnamon, beautiful colored bear. Um, and we got to within a hundred yards of him. Uh, but we did, obviously he didn't tree. We didn't want to take that shot because he was moving and the dogs were so close. So there was a couple of factors going in there, but, um, it was a cool experience and it was crazy to think of how many, uh, bear there are in that area that we were in. Uh, and so for me, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to try it one day. And I think next year will probably be my first year that I start actually applying for bear hunts. Um, that's something that I, I would love to do. I've had cougar. I don't know if you've ever had mountain lion before. I have had it. Oh, you have? I think, what do you think I, about I think, that? I think it's delicious as well. Um, I yeah, haven't had it. 
I haven't had it enough to like actually cook with. Like, you know, when you have a lot of game, you can you can play with all sorts of recipes. But I've never had, I've never shot one, so I've never had the plethora of just cougar meat to play around with. Right. Yeah. Um, my my buddy was been and here in Bountiful, um, Utah, they there's so many cougars that are running rampant. Like they're literally walking up to people's ring doorbells, and like their people are getting like a lot of uh cougar videos just from their backyard um and and so uh anyway he got one last year and then he just recently got another one and that's another one of those meats um that you have to make sure you know because they're carnivores um they eat a little bit better than bears but they still you still got the risk of uh uh trichinosis and so we cooked it in a curry and put it over rice Mm. Uh, that was really good and it almost has like the texture of pork it's yep. almost like the other white meat, you know, um, it, it's crazy that they're, you know, they're, they're a predator, but their, their meat cooks out to be more of like that white. Um, yep. I don't know. I don't know what goes into all of that and why bear meat's not that way too, but um, cougars are definitely more of a white meat. So would you say cougar is one of your favorite meats or what would you say yours no. is? I no. mean, <laughs> I, you know, I, I didn't have enough of the natural flavor to tell you because it wasn't gotcha. a curry um, yep. or a chili. We did a cougar chili, you know, just one of those kind of you can mix it in just about anything and and it um, it'll it'll be OK. It's it's meat. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's lean meat. Um, but, yeah, that's I, I think this year with the meat that he's at, it's at the processor right now. But once he gets that back, I'll probably figure something out that we can eat it a little bit more like a roast or something like that, where it's not too overpowered by the other flavors. Um, and then black bear, I'd love to have black bear, but right now my favorite game meat, let's see, I've had uh, pronghorn elk moose deer. Have you ever had moose? I, yeah, I have actually. Okay. Uh, moose is almost a little bit more, I wouldn't say greasy, but just like a fatty, um, but yeah, I think elk as of right now, elk is probably, it's a good lean steak. And as long as you don't cook it over medium, um, I, I usually do medium rare and, uh, just a little bit of light seasoning on it. And that's probably my favorite way to go. Just super simple, um, elk backstraps or an elk roast. Um, it's probably my favorite. It's hard to beat a good old elk backstrap, man. You can't go oh, yeah. wrong there. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I'm, I want to try. So, um, gritty uh gritty and um oh stealthy hunter i I don't know if you watch any of their stuff but they usually they say that their favorite stuff and it might be because they're starving and they've been chasing bears all day but um you know when they just take they render down some of the fat or not render it down but i guess it is rendering it down and they use it to fry up hunks of of bear backstrap um just right there on their jet boil and they're like can't beat it it's like as natural as you like you were saying natural flavoring they add maybe a little bit of salt and a little bit of pepper but not even it looks like they just cook it up like that have you ever had it straight just like that yeah so last year when i took my buddy out he shot his first bear actually we did exactly just that because he's never i forgot if he's never had it before but i i told him i was like it tastes different when you're out here and i think that's the thing with gritty in them right they they shoot a bear they cook it out there in those crazy mountains that they're hiking up and down but I think my buddy, Steve, he puts it best. He's like, the best flavor is outdoors, right? Like you can eat it at home. You could cook it better at home, but it just, it just doesn't feel as satisfying. I don't know who agrees with that, but I can definitely yeah. see where he's coming from. 
You know? Maybe go, maybe go run up and down a mountain and then come back home and maybe it'll taste the same. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know uh, if I want to try that. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to trying that. Hopefully this within the next year or so, uh, everyone that I've spoken with that, that hunt bears, um, like, you know, recently, just in the last couple of years is when I found out you could actually eat cougar and bear. I'm like, Oh, that's a thing. Um, you just have to make sure again, that it's well done. Um, which is why it's better in sausage or, um, yep. or ground because you don't have to worry about burning a, a bear steak, you know, cause steak's just not, it's just tough when it's, when it's well done. Yeah. And, um, and my rule of thumb is a steak is meant to be cooked medium rare or something like that. Right. Yep. A, a steak is a well done steak is not steak. <laughs> somebody yeah, could exactly. somebody can fight it's me with that, but yeah it's not a steak <laughs> if it's cooked over well done yeah yeah exactly um yeah so so yeah that's something that i am looking forward to because again everyone you you and everyone else i've talked with um they love it in just the very uh varied ways um i think uh brian call talks about canning it have you ever canned or jarred no, bear meat I, I i've never done it because i don't have the the right equipment to do mm, it but i, I want cooker. to yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if I, I, I don't know if my buddy's got that equipment, but anyway, um, they just raved about it. He said his kids eat it up like his candy. So I guess we'll see. Um, but, but yeah. Um, what, what's your favorite season? If you had to pick one. Oh, like just <laughs> spring, summer, fall, uh, winter. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, or, or what, yeah. What or you could break season? it down to, um, to your favorite hunt season as well. Yeah. Uh, if it's general, you can't beat the fall. Okay. And that's my favorite season, but to be more specific, my favorite is just mule deer season, which in Washington, it, it usually runs like that first weekend of, of October. No, it, it's a, it would be the second weekend of October through the weekend that's before the last weekend. So it's only like 10 days long. That's, that's our season in Washington for mule deer, really short season. It goes back to the point why Washington's not really the greatest for hunting, <laughs> but that's my favorite season. And a lot of it has to do with what I said earlier. So it's just like, we just have deer camp on those weekends. And that's really what I'd look forward to. It's like, I go to deer camp and then during that following week, when it's just the weekdays, I'll just go out and do whatever hunt without my family. Cause a lot of them go back to work. And then I just make sure that I return the following weekend because I just, I just really enjoy being next to it all my family around the campfire just talking I, I don't I think a lot of people can relate to that like a lot of times nowadays I look more forward to that than actually hunting so yeah if I had to narrow it down it'd be that season right there I agree yeah I love spring and fall those are my those are my go-to um just because it's not too hot it's not too cold yeah. uh the animals seem a little bit more active and um you know in the spring everything's coming alive and in the fall it's just the colors, you know, the colors of the mountain are just changing. And it's just, it, it's beautiful and crisp. Um, you know, you wake up nice and cold and then you can be hot two hours later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, that's awesome. Um, well, sweet. Well, is there anything uh, that you feel like I haven't asked or that you want to share uh, with my listeners? No, man, I, I just came on here just to see what you had to ask me and just kind of went with the flow. Cool. Awesome. Well, again, I, I really appreciate the, 
the time that you've taken out of your day to, to be here. And, you know, generally at the end of the podcast, I ask why you do what you do, but I think you've stressed that enough and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but just the idea of family and, uh, and, and the fact that outdoors living is basically how you were raised. Uh, it's, it's a, it's ingrained in you. It's part of your family and you just can't get enough of it. Yeah. I, at the core of it, that's, that's definitely spot on. And obviously as the platform grows, it's, you know, you add new reasons why you do it. Right. When I first started, the only reason was just, I just wanted to do it for fun. Now that's gotten bigger, you know, and, and surprisingly people are finding inspiration and motivation from it. It's like, it's like, wow. It's like, now there's another reason why I got to do it. You know, I want to inspire people. I want to teach people why I do and certain stuff like this. And, you know, it's like, it's this never ending goal list of things to do when, as your platform is just growing. And so it's like, it's one thing that I don't take for granted. I love people reaching out and just be like, Hey, I watched your video. And then they send me a a picture of a deer they killed or a trout that they caught because of a technique that I shared or something like that. And it's like, it's like, man, like it really just makes me think deeper as to why I'm really doing it. And at the end of the day, it's not just family. Now it's just essentially the community of people reaching out and be like, Hey, like, this is, I love your stuff. This is, you're the reason why I went out and do, did this and got this done stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And again, it, I really do think that it goes back to you make it seem uh, simple and it's not easy now. And, and I, and I harp on that a lot, that phrase of uh, keep it simple, but doesn't mean it's easy. Right. So simple, but not necessarily easy. And that's, that's how you put it. You frame it, whether you mean to or not. And I can tell your stuff isn't staged. <clears throat> it's very much real. And, and that's how you do things. And I think, again, that's why people are drawn to that because they realize they don't have to kill the biggest buck. They don't have to kill the biggest bull. They don't have to catch the biggest fish. It's more about enjoying the time that you're out there. And then if you do fill a tag or you do hit your daily quote on fish or whatever it may be, um, then awesome. Cool. You get to enjoy that success, but you, the way you put it and, and again, anyone out there listening to this, you need to go follow Samong because he's very much a, a down to earth guy. He does, he's not trying to sell you anything. Um, and he's just very much sharing his personal experiences and tips and tricks that, um, you know, how to fish better, which I'm going to have to check that out because I'm not much of an angler myself, but uh, you know, how to hunt, how to enjoy the hunt, how to enjoy your family. And I mean, there's multiple times where you don't even have a tag and you're going out to help cousins, uncles, uh, friends to fill their tags, or you do have a tag, but you want them to fill their tag first because you understand you, this is your career. This is what you do for a living. So you're willing to give up that time. And I say give up, but it's not a bad thing, but willing to give of your time to help other people and it just shows. And it's crazy to think that, you know, I'm only 29, but you're five years younger than me and you've already grown such a community. Uh, it's crazy to think in five years from now or 10 years from now, um, where that's going to be. And, and I don't, I don't think at least from what I've seen and, and just talking to you just now that you're doing it for any other reason than to share your passion of the outdoors with other people in a simple way so that other people can do the same, whether they're in Washington or Montana, Utah, Arizona, whatever opportunities they have, you just want them to take advantage of that. And I think that's awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate it because I think, you know, like like you said earlier, like authenticity is often overthrown. And I don't like to judge or grade how I portray myself on the internet. Like I always try to let people judge me for how it is because how I see it, it's it can be different than how people judge it. And so hearing that those words come out of somebody other than myself, it's really reassuring because I, at the end of the day, like I really do try to keep things as real as possible. Even when things are so pretty, you wound an animal. I, I show people that even though, you know, some people's emotions get hurt and stuff like that. But it's like, to me, it's like, I want to show people just what it is. I don't ever want to take a shortcut to make it seem like I'm the greatest hunter or stuff like that. Because if I, if I just wanted to do that, I, I feel like I would be doing things a little different than just posting up all these missed shots and bad shots and me or not catching fish. Washington. Yeah. Or just hunting <laughs> in Washington. There you go. And so it's like, it's, it's just this constant battle of like, I need to keep my focus on the reason, the right reasons and never stray away from that. Because I feel like, and a lot of it just has to do naturally with the human behavior. The bigger you get, more temptations come your way. It's easy to just get off of where you started and just go where fame or money is. But as of right now, like I'm trying my best to just stay true to who I am. Exactly. Yep. And I honestly, dude, I wouldn't change it. I mean, the fact you've got over 50,000 on YouTube, um, close to five on Instagram, and uh, I don't even know where else you are on the platform, which I'll give you a second here to, to plug your, your, uh, your places, because I, I really do like, I don't, I don't enjoy seeing there's companies out there. There's people out there that just post the highlights. And I'm one of those people that, again, I like to listen to YouTube. I don't necessarily watch it. Um, and, and hearing the story behind it, hearing the narration, hearing it, and it's real, it's not scripted. Um, just things like that. And, and you're one of the channels that, uh, that YouTube did it right and put you in my algorithm. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I, I want people to follow you. I want people to go look at, at what you put out there and, and learn from you, um, and whatever they're trying to get better at, or if they're just getting started in, in the outdoors, um, no matter what age you are. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, where can they find you? So Instagram, uh, YouTube and, and where else? Yeah, so my main my main platform is YouTube. My Instagram is more or less like a backup because it's just easier to post a photo or post a story and just tell like inform followers of like, hey, this is what I'm up to. Because so, sometimes, like during hunting season, it gets really hectic. Right, I, I'm spending way more time hunting, and so it's like when you do that, it's like I'm not really uploading videos. And some people are like, are you dead? And it's like, it's like, no, I'm not dead. I'm just bear hunt didn't go so well this year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I never have to say that. Well, I right? guess if I'm saying that I'm still alive. So I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> but yeah, usually for now, it's just YouTube and Instagram. I don't really have a TikTok. I, I've never really got into it. And, and nowadays it's like even Instagram, I'm not as active on Instagram because I just find myself not really into social media even though it sounds counterintuitive because like my platforms are basically social media but believe it or not like I don't spend that much time on social media like I kind of just post updates on Instagram inform my followers who who want to follow me on Instagram like this is what I'm up to hey there's a new video that's go live and then on YouTube I essentially just upload a video and then I respond to the first 50 comments or something and then I kind of just forget about it if I'm being honest and then it's just back to me going hunting and doing whatever thing. So it's just YouTube and Instagram for now. Cool. So on Instagram, it's S Y is it underscore? Yep. Underscore, S -Y outdoors. underscore outside. 
outside. Well, outside. Outside. Yep. Okay. When, I, when I was doing outside. when I was doing my um my name S Y underscore outdoors was taken, so name. I was like, oh whatever, I'll do it outside. And so I could have changed it, but I was just like, yeah, it's been with me ever since. So it, there's no point. Yeah, yeah, I had the same thing happen when. That's why it's red dot beard dot outdoors because. I, I tried to message the guy that's got it. He's not been active for years. And I'm like, I just, anyway. <laughs> just want, you just want the name, but they won't, right. they won't give it to you. Um, and then on YouTube, it's Samong Outside. Uh, Samong Outdoors on Samong YouTube. Samong Outdoors. Okay, yeah. so I'm going to confuse everyone here. So it's S-Y underscore outside on Instagram. And then Samong Outdoors on YouTube. Correct. Yep. Perfect. And I'll leave the links down below in the description, guys, so you can go check them out. I do highly recommend it, whether you're a veteran hunter or you're a newbie, a veteran angler or newbie, um, go go check out Samong's stuff. He's putting it out there. And just like he was saying just now, again, going back to that, how genuine you are, you're not doing it for the likes, you're not doing it for the subscribers, you're not doing it for anything else other than to share your personal journey and wanting to help other people um, to get out there and, and to live to live their lives. Um, which is, it's funny because that's exactly what I say every day on Instagram and in every single podcast at the end. Uh, and so, but again, thanks. Thanks so much for being on here. Samong with me and, uh, you guys go follow him. And of course, like I always say, get out, live your life and love it. All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. I really enjoyed having that conversation with Samong. He's currently out right now, uh, on a hunt and, uh, coming back this weekend. So, Good luck to Samong on that hunt. And uh, again, guys, thanks for tuning in. There's so many podcasts out there, yet you're choosing this one. I appreciate you sharing it with other people. Again, subscribe, follow, whatever the button is. Um, You can go check out my YouTube channel as well, where I'm going to start doing gear reviews and putting up the videos of these podcasts. Uh, So go check that out. It's just Redbeard, no space, outdoors on YouTube. Hope you guys have an awesome weekend. Get out with your family. Love on your loved ones and make the most of every single moment. And of course, get out, live your life, and love it.